morning, everybody. You notice uh, the spiritual temperature up just a little bit today? Did you notice that? There's a reason for that. It's because 21 people said we're going to we're going to seek God's face and desire, ask him what he desires for us. And I think the Lord has something special for each individual at the end. We're going to end with uh, really just a release of what the Lord talked about and what the Lord really was prophesied this last Sunday, or yeah, Sunday night. And so just, uh, just though that while, you know, we transition into a video and then the sermon comes, the spirit hasn't changed. Spirit's still going to, still going to do what the spirit's going to do. So we want to continue to be open to what the spirit would do in our life, right? Okay. Take your Bibles and open to, with me, if you would open to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're in this sermon series simply called Growth, and we set the connect uh, for the whole sermon series simply to be, it's not what you know, it's what you discover. And that's a big part of all of Christianity. It's not what you know, or it's not even what you do, but really it's what you discover. And I want to start today and talk about a place in Spain. Uh, it's a place called uh, Vivaldid, Vivaldid, and it was here that Christopher Columbus actually died in 1506. And so what they did is they erected a monument to Christopher Columbus. And what's unique about this monument is that coming up the monument is, and this picture is maybe a little bit hard to see, there's a lion that's coming up, and the lion is actually devouring part of a a century-old Spaniard statement. The century-old, centuries-old um, Spaniard statement was this, and it was in Latin, and it's ni plus ultra, ni plus ultra, which means no more beyond. And so what the, the monument depicts is this lion taking away and eating the word no. And by eating the word no, it would then read more beyond. That's where we're going to go today, is more beyond. We don't, we don't believe that igniting change can be experienced or lived out with anyone that believes there is no more beyond. So if you're here today and you have fallen into that trap where you believe there is no more beyond, then I believe the Spirit's going to talk to you in such a way that, that the line of the tribe of Judah is going to eat that word no. So you can live the nothing is impossible life. So let's pick up where Jesus is. He gets part of the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus's words. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the, uh, of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value of don't are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, 
Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So today, we're not going to use the word no. We're going to use this word. Familiar with this word? All right, I got a volunteer today because they're going to help me uh, with this word the entire time. Um, except I don't see Jalen and the lights are there. Come on up. Uh, so this this word worry has big impact on our life. How many of you found this word right in front of you this week? How many of you found this word right in front of you yesterday? How many of you, you don't have to answer, but, but thank you for being honest. How many of you have this word in front of you today? This is something that is, is, is commonly right in front of us that makes, it, makes a life that is no more beyond. It keeps us stuck. It makes us believe that the things that are read, we read about in the Bible are not for this life. It makes us think that nothing is ever going to be solved. It even makes us false prophets, which I'll come back to here in just a little bit. Thank you for holding that for me. Because what happens is worry here ultimately is wrong thinking. Your mind becomes focused, it becomes fixated on something, and it causes wrong feelings in our heart about circumstances, about people, or about things. And so if I was to, to say, you know, let's make just a list of the top 10 things people worry about, what would be some of the things on the list? I think some of the things on the list is people worry about whose fault it is. Some people, they, they worry about being right. We live in a day where you turn on any social media, you know that people worry about politics. People worry about trying to impress other people. People are worried about not offending or being offended. I'm just going to skip over number six to give you something else to worry about. Number seven, people worry about their stuff. They worry about their retirement. They worry about their hidden flaws. They worry about COVID. They worry about monkeypox. The list literally is endless. And here's what you got to understand about worry. Worry is just simply a warning light, a spiritual warning light for you and I. What is it warning us about? Well, it's warning us this way. The thing that you worry about the most, you trust God about the least. Now, let me say that again. What you worry about the most, ultimately, you trust God about the least. 
And so when, when worry starts popping up, now you notice Jesus says that we're not, we don't have to worry about all these things, but there at the last, he's, he recognizes that this is going to be popping up everywhere because who actually trusts God perfectly in this room? Raise your hand. None of us. None of us can trust God perfectly because we are in a process of growing spiritually. And it wouldn't it be nice if we could just make a mental decision that no longer are we going to worry. And that really works well until the next time you, you worry. Because this has a, an incredible way of popping up and blocking and keeping us from thinking that there is no more beyond. So let's talk a little bit about really the place of discovery today. And once you hear the discovery, don't, don't shut it down too quickly. Because really, it's what we discover that causes growth is when we discover that God is trustworthy. Now, listen, you can pull that out of your spiritual back pocket, pull it up on your phone, and show it as easily as the last picture you said you took. But most people, they stop discovering God is trustworthy because worry is constantly in front of them. I think there really are probably some mindsets, some attitudes that come into this, this trustworthiness that we've got to be, that we have to be careful about. I think the first, the first um, attitude is simply an apathetic attitude. You know, an apathetic attitude is just, it's just a worldly attitude that says, I don't care. Listen, I, when I was kind of thinking through some of this, my mind always goes to the roads because drivers are filled with all sorts of wrong attitudes. And we've all been behind. If, if you live outside of DFW and you have to drive down, if you've ever had to drive down a country two-lane road that's 50 miles an hour and you're stuck behind somebody doing 35 and they don't even realize there's another car on the planet, and you're back there just what, trying to get around because they're athletic. They don't care. But there are people that ultimately, they don't, when it comes to uh, thinking about trustworthiness of God, they just think, yeah, God's got it. God's going to take care of it. I don't even need to be involved. And, and ultimately, I'm just going to ignore all the things that maybe I should worry about. And I'm going to live this life where I'm just apathetic. Now, you, that may be you. And you may be thinking, yeah, I'll get over that someday. The challenge to being having an attitude that is apathetic about trusting God is ultimately that you don't even think about God's trustworthiness. Another attitude that certainly comes up pretty easily would be a fretful kind of anxious attitude. This is the, the person that's really, they may not be jumpy physically, but they really are kind of a, a person that is jumpy because they're, they're just so uptight. I mean, listen, you've met this person that's so uptight that if they put their hair back in a bun, it's so tight it would give them a facelift. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's a person that's uptight about everything that's going on. They ultimately, they're that way because they're, they're, they can't get rid of this worry. And they worry because ultimately they have an attitude that says, I can't be in control. 
They never can really make a decision and a choice to say, I'm going to trust God. There's the attitude that's the fearful, kind of panicky attitude. This person really is just afraid to take the next step. They're, 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 again, I think of people in cars. This is the person that, that is coming out of the parking lot with no light. And there's traffic going this way. There's traffic coming this way. And you're the one behind them. And, and you sit there. And you sit there. And if you're sitting in my car while I'm sitting there, this comment comes out. I wonder if I need to go out and stop traffic for them. Because every opening that you and I would go on, they're panicking. They're not sure. And what's so funny about panicky drivers is that when they finally go, they almost cause an accident. Because they sit there so stinking long. But this, why? Because they're just constantly worrying, and that worry makes them fearful. And so when it comes to worry and God's trustworthiness, they just can't ever get to the place where they, they're not afraid. So they ultimately will not trust in God. And then there's the, I think, the attitude that is, is, is polar opposite, certainly from the person that is the, the apathetic, and that's the self-assured person. You know the problem with the self-assured person is? It's in the word self-assured. It has to do with self. They, they've got this false bravado that they can do anything. And they believe there's nothing they can't do. So when worry comes, they just ignore it completely because they're going to go on saying, I can do it anyway. And I think there's more in, in our world where there's such incredible wealth and own ability to have our own kingdoms. There are, in fact, you, you go to churches where they'll help you build up your own self-confidence so you can live a self-assured life. So they never learn what it means to discover that we can be completely assured in our confidence in him. Really, I think where we want to be is this. We want to be in a place where we, um, we, we just are calm and really having our attitude centered around a trusting attitude where worry creeps up, worry gets in the way, but calmly you begin to move worry right out of the way. And when you move worry out of the way, it doesn't mean that it's left. It just means that when you look forward, it's not no more beyond. It's just more beyond. Now, I'm speaking for myself. This is the place I want to live. That's a good place to live. And from a logical standpoint, when we think about everything that goes on in the world, there really is no better and more logical stance than to say, I'm going to continually discover that God is trustworthy because he's never failed. He's never brought fear that caused me to stop. He's never put me in a panicky situation. So how do we, how do we live where we're continually discovering that God is trustworthy? Well, this is the place we grow. And the first place we have to grow is in our God reality. It's in our God reality. Everybody in this room, everybody that's watching online, everybody has a reality framed in their mind when it comes to the great God of heaven. Everyone. 
And based on that reality, you and I will live. A number of years ago, when uh, before I was in full-time vocational ministry, I was VP of sales for a company, and it was owned by two people. And I was sitting down with one of the owners, and, and I was having a God conversation with them. And their God reality was this. Jew, they were both Jews, but this was their God reality, that God went like this, got the globe spinning, and then has stepped back. Now, I pray that's not your view. That is a depressing view. If that's your view, you're going to have plenty to worry about. Worry is going to forever, you're doing great. That's good moment there. Uh, is going to forever be in front of you. The reality is that God created a perfect world and we broke it. That's what, what happened. God created a perfect world and we broke it. And he let us break it and he blames us for it. Now that's going to cause some of you to worry. Because Adam and Eve, it says that when, when they broke it, when, they, when they, they looked at each other and they went, whoa, you're naked, I'm naked. It wasn't that they went, uh-oh, we've stepped into a nudist colony. They didn't, that's not what that was about. The moment this world was broken, they looked at each other and they had a recognition at the core of their being. And the recognition that they had was that as they looked at each other, they recognized that they themselves were not everything they were made to be. And when they understood they were not made everything they were made to be, what did they do? They worried. They worried. They hid from God. Because now what, what God said, the whole, I've blessed you, the whole earth is yours. Go and have dominion over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Now they're hiding. They go from more beyond to no more beyond. But this is the beauty of the reality of the God that we serve. He knows we broke it. He knows that he said, fine, it's all yours. But he also came to fix it. The God that we serve, the God that I've said yes to and you've said yes to, the, the life that we've exchanged our life for, left the perfect place and came into the broken place and allowed this broken place to break him so that we in our brokenness might be made new. And it's in this newness that now we begin to grow to where we can move worry to the side. Because we understand that while, while in our sinful state, we are not everything we ought to be, God came and made sure that while we still are not everything we're, we're supposed to be, because we're not, we're still waiting for the glorious body to be resurrected or raptured anytime. Anytime. This is a great time of the year for the rapture to happen, by the way. If you don't know that, I'm telling you it's a great time for the rapture to happen. Even though we know that, we still struggle with worry. So there's a dynamic that we have to understand that, okay, wait a minute. I got to grow in this God reality because the God that, that made everything also knows everything. He knows if, if worry is right in front of you right now or if you've moved worry to the side. He knows that worry may be over here one moment and it may come right back in front of you again. Because God, in his, his beautiful nature, he, he had, he's outside of our beyond. 
And so when we think no more beyond, Jesus references tomorrow. He keeps it close because, you know, he understands that we need that. Tomorrow is just as real for God right now as today is for us. Because God is a God who, he, he simply, he, he knows, get this, he knows all time, all the time, at one time. Why do we worry? Because we don't know all the time, at one time, anything. But when we have the right God reality, when we put him in his right place, and we stay in our right place, now we can begin to deal with worry correctly. Because we then also understand that, that while he, he created everything and, and he, he knows everything, that also he's in control of everything. There's nothing that happens in this world that is outside of God's control. Now, if you've had any sin done to you, if you've had anybody hurt you, if you've had anybody bring pain to your life, that is a hard reality to understand about God. It's a hard reality. And I wish I could just give you the one, two, three. It's just not that simple. When you have that right, uh, really that right God image, when you fully understand the, the God reality, you understand Paul's writing when he said that, that all things work together for good for those, for those who call, are called according to his purpose. Why? Because pain comes, anguish comes. But when the hurt comes and the pain comes and the things that will make you want to worry, know that God will make sure that your tomorrow will work good because that's what he does. Your reality of God also has to, has to be a, a God, and we sang about it, it's the fact that he's loving. He cares about you and I. When Jesus is talking about the birds and he's talking about the grass, he's talking the splendor and the beauty of the, of the flowers, he's helping us to understand that we are the most valued thing in all of creation. That his love for you and I is unparalleled with anything else in the world. And while we live in a world that tries to elevate anything from trees to animals to being equal with humans, they can do that. But when your God reality is right, you're going, you're nuts. God loves people more than he loves anything else, which means he loves me. And when I know that I am loved and I live in that kind of love, then I know that the God who made sure that the sun would rise today loves me enough that tomorrow I also will be able to rise. And that just allows me to move that worry a little bit out of the way. But it's more than a, a, a God reality. And I, I think sometimes we, as, as Christian leaders, we stop just at the God reality. But there's also a God initiative that when you, when you ignore the God initiative, you really let worry get a stronghold in your life. The, the God initiative uh, is, is simply that uh, that. that uh, here's, here's the basics of it, then I'll break it down a little more. It's, it's God's initiative, not Rich's initiative. It's not your initiative, it's God's initiative. What, is, what do I mean by that? It means that, in biblical terms, it means that it's not my kingdom, it's his kingdom. He has a purpose and a plan and an outcome. But I kind of like my purpose and my, my, uh, uh, my plans. I do, I'm Dutch, man. I think every plan I've got is absolutely perfect. You may not be Dutch, but you think the same thing as well. And so a lot of part of our life is found of trying to initiate our plan 
rather than getting God's plan initiated. And when our plan is initiated, then worry becomes a a predominant part of our life. And so I'm constantly in this place where I'm going, wait a minute, this this flesh of mine, which has its ideas and its plans and its desires, I'm going to say no to that. And the more I can say no to it, the less power worry has on my life. Well, his plan, my plan is in my flesh would be to uh, uh, seek and find comfort. Where Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. And so if, if, if my desire is to find that place of comfort, if my desire is to find that place of, of to be able to kick back and relax and be apathetic about life, I guarantee you worry's going to come. Worry's going to get right in front of me. But Jesus said, I've, I've come, to, I've come to sanctify. I've come. So part of his plan is taking that which is saved and developing it so that ultimately when it is sanctified, it can be sent. And so if you want to, if you want to fight off worry and you, you grow in this God reality, here, here's, a, here's a critical thing. It's not, it's not in your notes even on the thing, but it's, I, think, I think it's pretty good. If, if you really want to protect what God has done in you, then you need to start letting God work through you. If you want God to protect what he's done in you, you've got to let God begin to work through you. And it's in this dynamic that now you begin to find really God's provision. And God's provision is so different because you know what God wants to provide you and I with most of all? He wants to provide more of himself. And when we are, when when I'm stuck in the rich initiative, well, then I'm not going to get much of the God provision which is why Jesus said that, hey, listen, you are more valuable. You don't have to worry about what you eat, what you wear, how you're going to look. But the reason we have a hard time with it is that God's provision looks so different. I want to think about it from the disciples' uh, disciples' perspective for a moment. So Jesus says to the disciples, and I'm going to send you guys out two by two, and, and here's my motivational speech. I'm going to send you out as sheep, amongst wolves. And they're going to they're going to they're going to persecute you. Uh, they're they're going to they're going to they're going to unfriend you in a very powerful way, modern day term. They they're going to take they're going to throw you in jail. Don't even hate those that try to kill you. <laughs> now, I don't know about you. If I'm one of the disciples. I'm like, "Jesus, time out. Time out. We got to stop and talk through this just a little bit here." So I'm not to worry, but I'm a sheep amongst ravishing wolves. I, I, think, I, think, I think we miss the calmness in these moments of the Lord's voice. Because the Lord, this is not a moment the Lord whacks you up the backside of your head. It's a moment when he just says, yeah, I, I get it, but your ways aren't my ways. My ways are so much higher than your ways. And in your desire, your, your want to be in constant place of comfort, you will miss out on the most important provision beyond him that there is. That's an eternal provision. I, I just, I, 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 I chuckle whenever I hear a, some version of a word of faith movement that, you know, believe God for a GAT Cadillac. I'm believing God, I'm in the wrong era. I'm believing God for a G5 jet. 
man, if that faith would be directed toward seeking and saving, if that faith would be directed toward sanctifying, if that faith would be directed toward the sending, oh, how different things would be. And as you grow in this provision, here's what you find. And and this is what Jesus knew they would discover. They would discover that while they were amongst wolves, as that they were being rejected, as they were being persecuted, as they were being thrown into jail, that God is trustworthy. And when you grow in that, now you're going, I can set worry off this. It's not going to leave yet, sorry. But you can set it off the side. And you can say, wait a minute, it's not more, no more beyond. There's more beyond. And while the wolves may be in tomorrow, I'm going to enjoy today because God's provided himself in a powerful way for me today. And I'm not going to miss the moment. I'm not going to let it escape me. So what does that look like day to day? Let's finish up and we're going to finish with a real powerful prayer time. But what does that look like today to day? Well, it, it starts real simply with this place of us saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to start reciting. You need to recite God's trustworthiness regularly. When I was first a Christian and started following Jesus, I didn't have my own stories of God's trustworthiness. I hadn't discovered other than he saved me. That's, a, that's what I discovered. So I would go into scripture and I would, I would literally go, well, God, you were trustworthy to Noah and you were trustworthy to Abraham, and you were trustworthy to Isaac, and you were trustworthy this way to David, and you were trustworthy this way to the disciples. The scriptures are given for us so that we, we discover this, uh, this trustworthiness through the lives of other people. And when you do that, then all of a sudden you begin to get a bit of courage in you. And as that courage starts to rise up, worry gets to the side, and you go, wait a minute, I may not be say there's no more beyond, but I know there's more beyond today, so I can take a step. I can move forward. But then you need to start writing down your own moments of trustworthiness. One of the things that the Lord constantly brings in the Old Testament is how the people of Israel would forget what God had done for them. And whenever a people forgets what God has done for them, they're going to live a life of worry because it's going to dominate them. Because there's no strength to go beyond the worry that is in front of them. But it also shows up by actually risking. It's, it's saying, hey, I'm going to live in the moment. And there are moments today where worry is going to try to pop up in front. But I'm going to risk moving forward. So I'm going to choose to move this worry right out of the way. Yeah, go ahead. Push that out of the way. But that's the risk. You can live in worry so long that you're going to worry about getting rid of worry. But the risk is simply saying, I'm going to step forward. Because here's the thing. I, if I'm seeking the kingdom of God, I'm seeking his initiative. And I'm stepping out and I'm stepping into areas and I'm stepping into ter- territories that I wasn't there before. And listen, there are problems associated with that. You can do a sermon on that whole thing. Not that anybody would stick around to listen to it. This morning, at 1, 110 in the morning, Lord wakes me up. What did I wake up to? A white sign. I went out. And I went outside and I just sat in the back. And I just lifted my eyes toward heaven. And, and sometimes when you worry about things, you don't have the words. You just don't have them. 
but I'm glad he gives me words. So I just began to pray in tongues. Say, Lord, I look at the, 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 the universe and I think, wow, how big you really are. And I don't ever want any circumstance, any situation, anything that the, the, any kind of worldliness that would come and try to hurt or distort, ever stop from the idea that there's not more beyond. What, you know what the result of that is? The result of that is ultimately that we live with this radiance. Because we, unlike the rest of the world, and by the way, one of the most liberating things that's happened to me is when I went on sabbatical, I got rid of Facebook. Thank you, Jesus. Because I don't need other people's junk. I got enough of my own. And with, with this place of the Lord, and, and every time you push worry out of the way, you actually live in a peace. Jesus said, let your hearts not trouble because, because I've overcome the world. And so we, there's this peace associated that begins to radiate and live in our life. And so what happens is, is that you can find rest. And you find it like it would be the last day that you would ever worship Jesus. you would rest and rejoice. You would lift up your hands and say, you know what? It's not no more beyond for me. It's more beyond. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you that you gave us all the reasons why worry does not have to control and dominate our life. And if you're here this morning and, and you just have, when I talk about the life of no more beyond, and you want the line of the tribe of Judah to come and just devour the no. As I pray, just say, yes, Lord. Help me discover the trustworthiness of God. Help me discover the trustworthiness of God. Lord, I know that you are faithful. Time and time again, you have shown yourself to be faithful, not just in Scripture, but in our own lives. Lord, forgive us for trying to really work our own initiative. Lord, we want your initiative. Lord, in, in the last days where there are incredible amount of tragedies, where there are a significant amount of people who are living for themselves, in these days, the days, Jesus, you said that it would be so wicked that the love of many would wax cold. I pray that, Lord, you would help us live with a, a, a fire that causes the worry to be set aside. That in today, this Sunday, in this moment, we don't have to allow our minds to, to declare what tomorrow will happen and yet be wrong again because we're false prophets. But we're able to enjoy today knowing that you already know all about tomorrow you're in tomorrow. You've got tomorrow in control. And that tomorrow, you will love me as much as you loved me before I ever came to the cross. Because you are a God of love. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for helping us grow in your trustworthiness. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. 
and we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.